Hello and welcome to session 12 of the Fire Science Show. Today's episode will be a little bit different, maybe less scientish and a bit more philosophical about our approach to, to, to building a fire safe future. Um, today I'm hosting Dr. Keys both from Atex Group and uh, Keys is a fire researcher. He's someone who runs a research center for ethics. So, so he's a manager, science manager, if, if you may. He's also someone who's uh, actively involved in like almost every committee related to structural fire engineering you can think of. So a person who creates a lot of impact in, in the way how new design standards and new pieces of legislations are born in, in relation to the structural fire engineering. And he's also very involved in building the community in, in the Europe. He's a past president of SFP Europe and he's uh, very active in, in the board of SFP Europe. He was one of the people responsible for establishing SFP Europe as a, as a body in, in, in here. And we're very thankful for, for his efforts in that and, and continuously work on, on making SFP Europe as a great society that connects uh, so many views over the, the European fire safety. With Keys, we're going to touch the important topics of how science, industry and legislation play together. And I think it is very important to understand how this triangle works together. I mean, what are the roles of each of these stakeholders? What are their needs? And why we really need to talk a bit more to each other. And even though it's maybe not necessarily related to your everyday design work or, or your direct research that you're pursuing today, I think it's an important subject related to your future. So... Yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. I hope you, you like it. First, let's spin the intro and then let's jump into the episode. Welcome to the Fire Science Show. My name is Wojciech Wingzinski and I will be your host. Hello and welcome to the Fire Science Show. Today with me is Keith Both from Atex Innovation and Technology Center and a good friend. Hey Keith. Hi Wojcik, pleasure to be here. Thanks for thanks for taking the invitation. I'm very happy to, to have you on, on the podcast. Um, with Keith, uh, we, we have a history of, of collaborating in projects such as SFP Europe. And, and what I've learned about him is a person who... Probably the best of all of us uh, manages wearing multiple hats and uh, rotates his position from uh, re researcher, engineer, uh, someone running a research center to, to someone uh, talking to the lawmakers and actually someone actively uh, participating in creating a, a better future for, for European fire safety. So, Keith, how... how the hell you manage all these hats. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the compliment. Well, uh, the, the listeners on this podcast can't see my uh, how I look like, but <laughs> I've lost my hair and I've I've had a almost a shaven uh, haircut. So it's it's very easy to put on a new hat and, and <laughs> swap hats or turn them around uh, just just a little bit. Uh, 
but but no seriously it it's i think uh, something that that grew upon me uh, not something that i dreamed of when i was a child i want to wear as many hats as as possible and and don't budge uh, underneath um but it, it it sort of grows on you and um it, it's actually i call it also stepping stones so for some positions uh, that i'm in um, I need stepping stones. And in the old days, I think the old days of, call it the lobbyists or, or the people who are concerned about regulations and standards, they could, with a certain attitude and stature, uh, just walk in a meeting room and say, I know something about this standard, and then just sit down and and have their opinion uh, written down in, in a standard or a regulation. These times have, well, maybe fortunately changed a bit. So you, you need to be officially appointed in, in some way or other. And then gradually you, you roll from one thing in, into another. Uh, if, if you are opening your mouth, which which a lot of Dutch people apparently do a lot, and sometimes it makes sense what, what I say, then, then people listen and say, oh, you, you, could we invite you also to become a member of or to chair this committee or to chair that? And then I have difficulty in saying no and, and well... Shit happens, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does I that mean, give that, an answer to your no, question? Well, that, or? That, that, that's very down to earth. We we were thinking about something like time travel or, or cloning technologies involved, but it seems it's, it's just passion and and willingness to to participate, and uh, that's that's a great thing. Uh, when uh, discussing the, the podcast, I, I've put forth this uh, idea that uh, I would love to see how a certain triangle works. The triangle that consists of science, industry and lawmakers. Because I, I think these three components are the most profound ones in forming a fire-safe future. There will be no fire-safe future without science. There will be no fire-safe future without industry participating in creating it. And there will definitely be no uh, fire-safe future if lawmakers do not agree they want one. Uh, so I would love to hear what's your take on the connections between the science, industry and lawmakers. But for now, let's make it as if we were living in a perfect world, not necessarily how it actually is is today. Um, yeah, there are there are some key words that that I think uh, are are necessary to describe how the ideal world should uh, should look like. Um, uh, in principle, uh, people who are engaged and and say the standardization and the regulation um, sh should be passionate about this. Um, th this looks like an open door, but but it's not. Uh, sometimes you you see people in in, in certain committees and and uh, regulatory debates uh, who are sitting there just because they are paid. Uh, th this is not a fruitful uh, environment um, and and productive environment. So we need people who are passionate uh, about about fire safety, and and that's I think. Um, the root of it all. If you're passionate about fire safety, you're, you're passionate about the science. You're passionate about the people and and the companies who come forward with uh, with, with products and solutions and how to assess them and and test them, perhaps. So the ideal world, I think, is composed out of the, you called it a kind of a troika, so industry, science, and, and regulators. Um, it, the, the key words, uh, th those are centered around uh, a passion for fire safety and to, to help the society in, in, a, in a more fire safe world. I have to be careful here with my words because more fire safe would would, would perhaps wrongly be interpreted as uh, more of this and less of, of something else. Yeah. Uh, that That's not what I mean um, it, you should be passionate about uh, about fire safety and and the rest will follow automatically I guess 
there's a viewpoint I also share within my own uh, actions <laughs> to, to be passionate about that. And I certainly shared, shared the passion for discovering the, the fire and uh, learning to, to live with that in a less, less dangerous way. Um, I've asked you about the ideal world because for me in an ideal world, we would have um, science carving path for new technologies industry happily implementing these new developments, forgetting about the solutions we know stopped working or we found replacements, and lawmakers creating a law that promotes this. And mm -hmm. in, in the real in the real world, I, I have this feeling it's not always the same thing. I see uh, scientists uh, locked in their ivory towers, uh, battling for impact factors and not necessarily uh, looking for technological improvements. And I see industry not really interested in new developments. Okay. If, if uh, the current ones work from a business perspective, and in, let's say, in a five-year uh, cycle, uh, the innovation will not yield uh, sufficient uh, improvement over the previous technology. It may not be developed. It's not, not obviously for the whole industry, but, but I see many areas uh, in which uh, the innovation is not really sought. It's, it's the stability and the business continuity being sought. And lawmakers, uh, they, they, this is the most difficult because they usually actually care and they usually want to uh, provide safety. But mm -hmm. a lot depends uh, who they listen to, you know, and what the what the advisors tell them. So, so in the end, I, I see there's this imbalance in in the triangle, and I, I'm not even sure if the if the the triangle should be balanced. Actually, maybe it should not. Uh, but uh, yeah. I, I see uh, there's definitely a lot of improvements to be done in, in the communication between these groups. What do you think? Yeah, the, you address a number of, of valid points uh, where sometimes um, science seems to withdraw in, in the ivory tower and, and looks with some disdain to uh, to, to lower life forms as, as <laughs> industry and lawmakers. Uh, I should have started perhaps there because basically I'm also educated as, as a scientist, but I deviated like the black sheep uh, from the family and, and started, uh, got lost in industry. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hit the science hard and we'll come back to industry and lawmakers <laughs> later in the podcast everyone will get uh, will get a hit but yeah let, let's go with science uh yeah well i, I started my career and you know uh, the, the mm. Dutch uh, ITB, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, I, I sort of got lost there as well. I, I initially had my my head focused on dynamics of suspension bridges, and, and back in the <laughs> day uh, when I was young, there was this this series, the Streets of San Francisco, and it started with a with a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge, and that for me was something. So if if I ever finish my my work in, in civil engineering, I, I want to be I want to be a bridge designer, and the dynamics of suspension Expansion bridges was was fantastic. Then you you should know where where I'm actually living, which is in the southwest of the Netherlands, um, close to uh, the delta uh, from the River Scheldt. Initially. Uh, it was meant to build a, uh, a connection between Rotterdam and, and Antwerp, and potentially that could be a bridge uh, to allow for transport between those those harbors. And I thought, wow, this this was exactly the right timing for for me to uh, to, to do my master's thesis on on bridges. 
And then all of a sudden, because of some restrictions on the height of, of, of vessels that could underpass this bridge, uh, the bridge design was transformed into a tunnel. So uh, that flushed away my dreams of a big project in, in, in my backyard on, on the suspension bridge. Um, and then I needed to, to look for something else. And sort of by coincidence, I find my way into TNO and there was a shortage of, of someone with interest in numerical modeling, uh, finite element modeling of, of steel and composite steel, concrete structures and fire. I thought, well, there are not too many people that I know of, um, at least not in the Netherlands, and, and, and that have a lot of experience with this. Um, and I found my way to, to the fire lab. And, and well, for all the people who are listening to this, once you've set foot in a fire lab, you're sold. Uh, yeah, there's it, no way back now. <laughs> there's no way back. No, you're hooked and, and addicted. There's no way back. So the same happened to me. And my first emotion was I said, okay, uh, it's a good thing that I've that I've dropped vibration analysis and dynamic analysis of, of suspension bridges. Hope I'm not offending any, any listeners <laughs> here. Uh, massive important, of course, but, but fire safety, sorry, is much more important and much more sexy than, than that. So that was that was gone in, in, in just like seconds and I thought wow the smell in, in the fire lab uh, the diversity of work mm-hmm. it was just overwhelming so th- this initials call it love uh, never went away it, it's still here uh, but w- when you dig a little bit deeper into the semi-public uh, institutes and, and, and the science uh, y- your eyes even are opened more wide the diversity of topics and, and the other podcasts you, you, you've you managed to pull off uh, give just uh, just a flavor of it because it's there are many more podcasts to come there's so many angles yeah. so many things that are, that are still unknown so the science for fire safety is is for, for generations to come uh, one of the most appealing and diverse uh, topics there, there's no doubt but that carries a risk in it because there, there's so much uh, to, to look into um, and if you want to really drill down to the bottom you need to be a super specialist to, to know about uh, well human behavior and evacuation pulling of, of, of concrete smoke dispersion and, and tunnels if you really want to, 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 to drill down to the bottom you need to be a super specialist and have those people united and talk to each other is not so straightforward anymore. Uh, so uh, it, it's very easy to, and perhaps necessary, to lock yourself in your ivory tower to really drill down to the, the, the big secrets of, of smoke dispersion and, and complex, uh, complex uh, geometry. This is not straightforward. And then to come out of your ivory tower and talk uh, to, uh, to someone who is completely on the other side of the spectrum and fire safety and is not so straightforward. So we, we have, as, as a fire safety science community, have to strongly focus on entities like IAFSS, uh, SFPE, to really bring people together. And, and the corona crisis has not helped because uh, even if you are a complete side, a different side of the spectrum, once you meet in a bar and have a beer, a, a lot of differences uh, are easily bridged. And, and you can become friends even uh, though you work on completely different side of the fire safety. And then also say that we, we can think a lot uh, and, and be the super specialist in some some form. But the the, the, the deliverables, the, the findings need to find their way into the community. 
And for that, you need industry. So we need a strong link to, uh, first and foremost, I would say the um, the designer industry, the, the, the well, the, the consultants, the engineers that, that put the science really directly into practice. And then someone has to build it with, with products and, and, and stuff. So uh, th- there's a clear chain of low of ideas in, into products that, that we need to cherish. And we need some people that build bridges. Um, we, we can't expect from each and everyone to be outgoing extrovert and and build all those bridges that there is a couple of people that that will really be the engine or the fuel in the engine to to share people's passion to translate the passion from say a super cfd specialist to a super final element specialist or an evacuation modeling uh, expert and specialist i think you've uh, touched some very uh important points as you said the field is too wise to be an expert on everything it's uh it's impossible to to master evacuation fluid dynamics structural fire engineering material properties uh, combustion uh, and whatever else uh, together in one package it's, it's it's just inhuman to to be a master in all of these topics but thankfully we we have people who are masters of these topics within the community so what we need more is to be smart reaching out and building uh building strong teams because it, it seems the fire safety is a is a team sport it's not a it's not a game Absolutely. for for singles yeah i think you've also like uh, man, man, like to go back to professor rain he once said uh, when asked about what's the how do you measure impact of science he said that uh, the most um, significant science or the most impactful science is the one that has the biggest uh, let's say technological impact or the one that creates uh, new technologies new, new new ways to implement solution in practice and i, I kind of agree that in in fire it's um, of course you can treat fire safety as a fundamental physics science or 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 or, or sika the the fundamental phenomena within combustion there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and it's absolutely necessary but if we're talking fire safety engineering and 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 this this let's say practical field of application of fire science and the role that we are here for i i think this applied science is is really truly the the most important one and guillermo also i don't know if you listen to the, his episode but Absolutely, he, he, yeah. Yeah, he, he has um, this ERC grant. And you know, ERC in European science is the holy grail. Like that's mm-hmm. the, the highest you can get in terms of achieving funding for your science. And yet he, what Guillermo said is that ERC expects them, uh, people who get, who get the grants, to carve pathways for technologies. They don't need to create technologies, but what they, they want is that the research being done will create pathways for new, for new interesting technologies. And I, I think there's much, much research being pursued by my many scientists in our field that create very interesting pathways to technologies. And uh, selfishly, I, I have some research that creates very interesting pathways for technologies. And yet we struggle in getting the interest of the industry uh, with these uh, ideas. So you as as, uh, as a director of a research center for a global manufacturer of fire protection systems, how could a scientist like 
gain the interest of the of the industry of of a major industrial partner to build uh, to build the technology together. Maybe what, what what's your take? Can you give me a good advice? Oh, wow, um, that, that that that's that's a difficult uh, difficult question. But but I, I knew that. Uh, so when you invited me for the podcast, <laughs> uh, I, I first wanted to to come back to uh, to what you said on on, on Guillermo, and th- th- there is probably a, a number of reasons why why Guillermo and his team were, were successful with that. And what I recall from from the podcast you had with him. Was that he that he teaches his students uh, to to marvel and to wonder, and um, uh, rather than try and measure uh, everything immediately and and go in full blown with all kinds of of measurement uh, equipment, but just just observe and marvel and wonder. That that for me, uh, again, it may be a shortcut, but for me, it's like uh, try and become passionate about this by, by simply observe what what is happening, challenge your own beliefs and and. Uh, and models, and and then eventually you you will be successful. Yeah, um, absolutely. That that it's a, perhaps a bit of an introduction to to the answer. Um, how can carving a pathway be successful for industry? Which uh, I think you said it before um, seems to, uh, to 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 have even shorter periods for for return on investment than than ever before you need to be successful you need actually to to have the the revenues in your hand already before you start something new so it, it it's sort of like a paradox i think it's also a matter of of patience a, a lot of mm-hmm. good innovations well the, the carved pathways as as you eloquently described them might not find um, a profitable embedding in an industry in one or two or three years, uh, but but sooner or later they will be picked up. Uh, that that's the advantage of our era, uh, where a lot of innovations are stored digitally and and can easily be found, um, uh, rather than in the past, where, where you'd have to scan uh, and, and visit libraries physically. Uh, so that there's there's an opportunity there, uh, but I think. The word patience there is is one thing. Um, the other thing is to bring people together. We we may have to overcome some hesitation from, say, the people living in the ivory tower, uh, but also uh, we have to overcome uh, the disdain from the industry. Say, here again come these academics with, with no clue on on practical mm-hmm. implication. So. Again, there's a, there's a limited number of people who have to be patient, strong enough, and and bold enough to bring people together from from industry and from science and say, guys, have a good time. Here's a topic. Yeah. You, you talk about possible solutions and you talk about how this and, and practice could work. But from brainstorming perspective, say, okay, thank you. I hear this, and this is how it potentially could work. Or this, these are challenges we need to uh, we need to overcome. Or, um, and sometimes I I miss that. That kind of a dialogue um, between really the producing industry and 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 science, and there's again bridges to uh, to build. Um, to come back on what you said, I, I think we could easily switch the title of the episode into the fundamental role of pubs in in uh, the <laughs> development <laughs> of fire safety science. <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe let's not go that far. Um, on a serious note, like what you've said now, I completely understand. I, I did before, but I totally understand why you have been the president of SFP Europe because uh, SFP seems like the place where 
it's very, maybe not easy, but uh, it's very successful in mashing up the industry people, engineers and scientists in, in, in one closed room and, and force them to talk, which uh, from my perspective has been very, um, very beneficial. And I think, uh, if we want to have a bright future, we need more organizations like that that are not close to one group or not not like particularly focused on on a single group, but but focused on the interaction between them. Maybe this is a direction we should be cherishing when building the post-COVID uh, conference. Uh, uh, plan. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And and don't get me wrong. Eh? So um, academics need to be in in, in a safe uh, environment to talk with with academics, eh? and industry needs to be in a safe environment to, just to talk uh, mm. amongst amongst industry. And lawmakers need to uh, to also have their own pub, if you like. Uh, but but there should be one environment uh, and one one or two associations that bring all three together every now and then, and uh, and bring the best out of it. Um, the, the COVID crisis uh, has learned us a, a number of things. Uh, by the way, it's it's not impossible uh, to uh, to bring together people from uh, from different backgrounds, um, so to say, in, in this troika, a triangle of science, industry, and and, and law. Um, but it's a challenge. But there is always room for uh, digital meetings uh, once people know each other and once there is a clear agenda but but if if you want to talk about vision strategy uh, how this this triangle could potentially work and whether there is a long-term vision I, I guess you need to be uh, together and, and and have a drink together and contemplate over dinner and and mix uh, the business talks with uh, with with, with a, bit, a little bit of private talks and 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 um, because that that's where the creative thinking actually comes from. If 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 you are with 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 people that are uh, thinking in the same direction or or have, have the same tools as you have, it, it's very difficult to step out of your comfort zone. Uh, I think if if we want to touch upon the third uh, part on on the triangle, I think science and industry are not that bad. Uh, but it may be a challenge to to really um, uh, link and engage um, uh, the, the lawmakers and, and the regulators. Th this is not straightforward, um, but it's also not impossible, I I've learned. Um, but to come back to, to fire safety, um, one of the uh, concerns I have, um, uh, I mentioned to that, that, that to you before, we obviously should save the planet. So that there's for me no, it's a no-brainer that we need to do something like uh, like like the Green Deal, call it call it like that, uh, on European level and, and on global level. But if you read all the documentation and and listen to all the narratives and and hear all the eloquent speakers speak about uh, sustainability and and climate change and recycling. Um, it, it takes a lot of pages uh, to find the word fire. Um, if if you find it at all, so here is something that that we need to uh, to to well bring to the table, perhaps of 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 the European uh, regulators, maybe also the national regulators, because my my strong opinion and conviction is that in Europe we have all the elements uh, for a real strong fire safety strategy and and policy. 
we have the top-notch universities. Uh, we have the IMFSE, for example, uh, Lund, Ghent, Edinburgh, Zurich. Uh, we have the top-notch uh, applied science uh, research institutes, uh, ITB, um, BAM in Germany. Uh, the, the, there's so, so many more. Uh, again, I, the, yeah, Rice, you know, yeah, you know just, uh, all of them. So we, we they're, they're active on uh, and they're they're world world-class uh, material. Then we have European industry as well, um, which sometimes also uh, is is active on on global level. Yeah, but when, when, sorry, when 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 you look at Atex or, for example, ArcelorMittal or Arup in UK, that these are companies that that literally spend millions on on a fundamental research, Absolutely. which is very very nice. Yeah. So all of this we have in Europe. Um, and and you could argue well they, 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 all these parts of, of the triangle uh, work uh, work by themselves and and uh, so mm. why why bother um, but that that of course it, it works but I, I would argue there is a case uh, to be developed to say guys if, if we want to be the leading region in the world on, on fire safety we have all the elements and and let's pronounce that let's let's uh, claim that 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 fire safety is is a sector where where Europe is excelling, and then uh, if if you have that kind of of backdrop and and support from uh, from European uh, regulation perspective, then I guess a lot of puzzle pieces will uh, will, will fall uh, fall into each other. You've mentioned sustainability, and uh, I think uh, from my own perspective, from from my own view. The um, fire safety may not be necessarily the goal of the sustainability, but it definitely is the enabler. Exactly. Uh, yeah. the, the thing that enables the, the sustainable future. Because, for example, if you focus on, of let's say, energy efficiency of buildings, you end up with facades that burn. If you focus on electromobility, you end up with uh, mobile power plants or mobile energy storage systems that burn. Uh, all of these technologies, uh, in a way, there is a new fire challenge in them to be solved. And if you only focus on the primary goal, which is to solve, let's say, the energy problem of the building or let's change the way the energy is stored, I mean, you can solve that, but at the same time, you can create unsolvable fire uh, problems. And it's all good until a, a huge building burns down, until many people die in a fire. And then suddenly a technology that was a breakthrough for one field becomes a nightmare in the fire domain. And without smart fire engineering, without without our people, <laughs> let's say the, the scientists, the, the industry, uh, and we need to also teach the, in, the, the, the lawmakers the challenges that are uh, created by the by the change. We need to learn to manage the changes in in the technologies of the world. I always say to my uh, my students that your future is seems bright. We are creating more fire problems than we are able to solve <laughs> at the time. So uh, there's always going to be uh, some fire issues to be solved, which which is maybe not a, not a great thing. But in a sustainable future, the fire is a key puzzle. And yeah, it also breaks my heart that in the Green Deal or in these huge Horizon Europe uh, or programs, the fire is not one of the focal points. And it's really from a researcher perspective, when you have to fit into the themes of these projects, it's, it's, it's really very, very hard to, to find your, 
your angle that will make you do your research, which you want, which is on fire and align with the goals of the project, which which the fire may not be in. Yeah, exactly. If, if you write proposals, that was already back in the day um, uh, when when we had these large tunnel fires. So when I was still with, with, with TNO uh, mm-hmm. and after finishing my, my, my PhD on, on numerical calculations of, of composite steel concrete slabs, uh, which, by the way, the calculation rules ended up in the Eurocode. So I have something to say to my grandchildren. Congratulations! <laughs> but then uh, I sort of thought, well, um, that's what you have when you're focused on on one very niche niche topic. Uh, sorry to deviate a, a little bit from this, but I, I, no, I recall cool. one of my papers uh, to be presented in in Hong Kong at, at Asia Flam, and the, the session chair was was Vito Babraskas. And uh, I did my presentation, and and afterwards, uh, are there any questions? No, no questions, of course. And then Vito said, "But well, case I have a question." That was my first meeting uh, with, uh, with with Vito, and he, he still is one of the gods in, in in our in our sector. So I, I was in awe, and I was I was shaking, and I was sweating all over. Oh, if this guy is asking me a question. I, I might just want to 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 duck underneath uh, <laughs> one of the the, the tables and, and and yes the question came uh, is how many people actually have died from uh, a composite steel concrete slab uh, collapsing in a fire so you you're developing calculation rules but but how relevant are they um, yeah. and my wife was was with me uh, it was our first uh, trip um, to to an international conference. And and she was like, okay, case it took ages before you you came to some kind of an answer. And and honestly, I, I'm not even sure what I answered. Uh, but but for me, okay. it was like, okay, there, there's probably much more in fire safety science than uh, than, than than there is what I know now. Um, and very dramatically, there were these these big tunnel fires in in the Alpine regions um, in, in mm. the late 1990s and early 2000s. Um, and that's the long introduction to, to the question because that, that made me switch my uh, my interest in finite element modeling into tunnel fire safety, which is a, a totally different ball game. Um, and, and we started to prepare uh, research proposals for the European Commission. And mm-hmm. at, at first they, they were like, uh, do, do we have a problem then? Uh, well, we, we have seen some dramatic tunnel fires. You may need to think twice about uh, not addressing fire safety. And back then it was the, the, the fourth and the fifth framework program, which is now uh, mm-hmm. Horizon Europe. Um, and uh, But we, we kept on, call it lobbying. Maybe that's where the first seeds were sown for for me to, to, to say, okay, if, if we want to push science and industry forward, we need to convince the regulators and the ones who provide subsidies for research on, on the level of the regulator with a proper narrative. And, and this narrative was like, okay, guys, if, if we want to continue building the European uh, market, we need to have safe and reliable transportation. And tunnels make uh, make an essential part in, in, in that. So we need to have them safe and reliable. And apparently, um, they are not so safe and sound as we initially have thought. Uh, there may be a number of causes there. Maybe the traffic volume, the composition of the traffic, uh, the, the one-way or two-way traffic uh, tunnels, 
uh, the ventilation, uh, longitudinal transfers combined, uh, the, the goods that are being transported. Um, well, we, we've all known, uh, we've all seen one of the first big uh, fires in the Channel Tunnel, um, where, where pork fat uh, was one of the uh, the, the main fire loads uh, or, or combustibles, where initially a lot of people said, well. Uh, pork fat how, how how dangerous can can that be <laughs> how relevant is that yeah. uh, how relevant is that and then well eventually we we ended up in, in some very nice european co-funded uh, tunnel fire safety projects i had the pleasure of of being in in one one of the the project leaders the upton upgrading of existing tunnels that was also very enriching uh, meeting up people from uh, i think we had 33 partners in the project from like 16 or 17 countries with an 11 million euro uh, budget Back in the day, that was a huge uh, research uh, budget, and we did fantastic uh, tests. We, we did large-scale tests. Nobody believed that it was necessary to do a large-scale test. We had furniture in there. Nobody thought that with, with furniture you could create havoc in, uh, in a tunnel fire. It was eye-opening. So sometimes you, you have to, as a scientist and as industry, be a little bit stubborn and say, guys, uh, to, to the regulators, you, you really have an issue, and we can solve this for you. But then we need to to have some, well, tailwind, if you like, from you guys that you appreciate as a regulator uh, that that some findings will uh, will will finally cascade down into into new regulation. And I think we we were to a degree successful. There was a, a European directive on on road tunnel uh, fire safety, which carved uh, again coming back to to, to to your word there carved the the path for uh, for risk analysis in in tunnels, which again back in the day was was not so mature as as it is now. Um, you can challenge if if it was really scientific research that we that we've done uh, but but these large scale tests in in, in the Rinnehammer uh, tunnel in, in Norway that we did were a bit unique and and almost first of of their kind and they, they are still news to to a lot of people they're, they're 20 years old already they are still being there are still works being published and these experiments are are cornerstone of, of tunnel fire safety and uh, whenever there's a new uh, student picking up uh, tunnel fire safety and trying to model something or learn something new recreating Runa Hammer in CFD is the the first thing you should do because that that teaches you so much yeah and and then to come back if 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 you now look at at at, at regulations and 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 standards That, that go into into tunnel fires. The the the, the magic number is, uh, or the table with magic numbers uh, gives some heat release rates, and it says like passenger car five megawatt, uh, small van ten megawatt, uh, a bus thirty megawatt, and and a lorry uh, HTV hundred megawatt, and an oil tanker two hundred megawatt. That, that's it. And I don't need to convince you uh, to say that this this table is was nice twenty years ago. Then it was news. But nowadays, uh, how accurate are these numbers? Actually, uh, have you ever seen tunnel fires that only consume one car or, or one one truck? Um, so we, we do need to be prudent there and, and not say, guys, we, we've looked at this 20 years ago. Is the situation still the same? It's not. If uh, I, I don't want to... Uh, 
to, to, to say now that tunnel fires are the biggest risk of all. Uh, but some research, I think, is necessary to, to look at, at, at realistic fire scenarios and not, not declare these, these tables with magic numbers uh, the, the holy grail for uh, yeah, Kis. I think I think you're touching a very like uh, on 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 the example of tunnels. We are touching the the pinnacle of this triangle because what when you were listing your ideas in the Upton projects, the problems to be solved, it was mesmerizing because in one sentence you've captured like five extremely interesting subjects to be studied within the tunnel safety. But today when you open the tunneling and underground space technology, you'll not see research focused on the growth of heat release rate in multiple vehicle fire scenarios. You will not see these brave ideas you've mentioned. You, you will see countless studies on on figuring out the backlayering distance or critical velocity mm-hmm. up to the third significant digit in a straight exactly. tunnel, curved tunnel, angled tunnel, tunnel with two vehicles, tunnel with one vehicle upside down. It's ridiculous the amount of, of it's not pseudoscience, but it's it's like useless science that's being manufactured uh, because it's publishable, it's easy because it fits the purpose of the scientists to have a paper published in a prestigious journal, and that journal is very prestigious. For me, they failed to solve any practical issue we currently have with, with tunneling. And it's not one or two papers, it's majority of papers that touch fire in, in, in this aspect. Uh, and th- this is the, the bright example of what being locked in an ivory tower in terms of fire science means. It means uh, seeking answers to possibly interesting science, scientific uh, questions without any relevance to the real world. And uh, in tunneling, I, I say that with uh, with full understanding of what it means because I, I design tunnels. I've designed like, I don't know, 40 tunnels. Whenever I see a paper, whenever I see a simulation, the initial conditions in that simulation are like zero. There's no flow, there's uh, nothing happening, and then the fire starts. Well, in reality, uh, I have never been in a tunnel where there was no air movement. Exactly. If if you've once been in a tunnel and tried to open a door or or try to to speak there, to, to your colleagues, <laughs> no, there, why there, why this noise? Why this wind? <laughs> yeah, there's always an initial condition, and we fail to recognize this as as the science community that our research has been so uh, it journeys so far away from the practical problems of 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 this area, and I think it's not. Uh, it's not unique to tunneling. I, I think in many areas of fire science, there is this uh, group of very smart people doing their work, but just... Yeah, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you. I, I, I think we, we should continue to, to do that because there, there will always be people who... Um, there's always uh, deep dive records to be broken. So please let those people who want to do deep diving... Let them try and break uh, break the record, but it should be kind of balanced uh, with mm. people that say, "Okay, we, we've always deep dived uh, here on, on on this spot. Uh, let's try and and deep dive uh, 100 meters fr- from here." And and you you move the boat, uh, but but I think you, you you catch my drift. Uh, so let let those people uh, do that. I think it's it's also a matter of uh, our science sector becoming a little bit more mature. We have the tools to to do uh, more, call it realistic 
um, uh, scenarios and, and model them or test them. Th this, this is possible. Um, but again, we would need a little bit of tailwind and we would need a little bit of open-mindedness of, of the regulator to say, okay, well, I've always worked and in my uh, regulations, it, it, it provides, please show that this tunnel uh, does not show any backlayering, zero backlayering. You, you can argue, why the hell do we need zero backlayering? Uh, but okay, that, that, that's something else to, uh, to discuss. But the regulator should perhaps be a little bit more open-minded to say, okay, we we, we will have this five-year cycle of, I don't know what, revision of, of our building codes or regulations. And once there are uh, good findings, we, we are inclined to open that up and to, uh, to, to change for new builds uh, and perhaps with some retrospect also renovations of existing buildings or tunnels uh, with, with these new findings. And that would be a kind of continuous learning where obviously the regulator um, may need to have a longer revision cycle than, than we would need for, for a product or, or uh, a tool like FDS. We, we can have um, uh, an update and a beta version every month or so. Uh, nobody cares, but the regulator can't update the regulations every, every month. So we need to be a little bit more open-minded. But to, to be more uh, focused on on say the reality and 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 what could actually happen is certainly something that that we can push forward um and again here an anecdote um you you may no doubt have heard of the faculty of architecture and 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 delft that caught fire and uh there there is an anecdote there um i, I was um uh, in and do you know back back in the day and i i got a call from uh, from brian meacham uh, just a week or so after uh after the fire happened and he said case can we partake and and the research that will uh, that that is happening already or or will will soon start um, after the collapse of the, the the faculty of architecture university of delft and i said but brian there is no research and very likely there will be no research into how this building actually collapsed how the fire <laughs> could occur how it spread and and how that eventually led to uh, to the collapse of the of the building and it was sort of silent. Um, um, I said, Brian, are you still there? Yes, he, he was flabbergasted, of, of course, and in a negative way. He said, but how can this be? And uh, he said, we, we've been desperate. Uh, again, apologies for, for this word uh, wording, perhaps. But we, we've been desperate in the U.S. to, to find uh, an example of buildings that actually collapsed and that we, after the 9-11, that we can use our tools that we have developed and, and the knives that we have sharpened um, mm -hmm. on, on, on simulation of what happened in 9-11 on, on another uh, realistic uh, incident. And fortunately, there were no casualties. Uh, so th this, this should be perhaps um, non-controversial uh, whatsoever. And I said, well, th this sort of is, is a closed book because some hotshot uh, people in the Netherlands have declared that this fire had developed uh, according to the book. Uh, so no need to investigate, no casualties. Um, that's it. The, the only thing that perhaps would, would need to be investigated is how the fire brigade okay. could position themselves because there's a little bit of a pond, was a little bit of a pond in front of the entry. So it was not easy to, uh, to position the fire mm -hmm. trucks. And there was some, some helicopter uh, which 
kind of <laughs> cosmetically uh, through a little okay. bit of water uh, from high up in the air uh, on, on on this building fire, which didn't do a lot, but was was good footage on on national television. And I I still wonder, and I'm I'm still advocating for these type of of collapses and and actual fires, but but perhaps also near misses to try and and with with the tools that we have today and all the science that we have today um, to to remodel and call mm. it a kind of seconds from disaster type of uh, of of approach, but then with with real science and and with real technology. Uh, try and and investigate what what actually could have gone wrong and where we miss certain information that already perhaps for me at least suggests an area of further research if 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 you have to take certain assumptions to make your your model uh, either a, a scale down test or or a combination of all kinds of of fancy uh, fancy models for me this seems like a logical way to to close the circle it's in line with what others have said to how for example our construction industry compares to the aeronautic industry uh, where there is this feedback loop um, and in the construction sector we, we we miss that and again i think it's it's teaming up of science and and, and industry to convince uh, the lawmakers and and the ones responsible for for uh, regulatory subsidy if you like to say guys we can un- we really understand what happened in the past and these are the lessons learned and this is what we should embed in regulation and in design for for um, the future coming back to how um regulators can um let's say benefit from particular research subjects or particular research being taken and how to um promote particular fields of research without hurting the 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 fundamental freedom of, of picking your research aspects. Um, some time ago on, on Twitter, there was a discussion related to development of FDS. Professor Rainbrough, he, he has proposed many, many years ago, like a decade ago, that maybe the developers should uh, give a yearly award, like just a diploma and, and a credit to a research body or a researcher who has done the most significant uh, discovery or research work that impacted the, the, the um, uh, development of, of a software. And I, I think in this concept, he touches the very vital point that um, what really drives people in, in the research industry, you know, because it, it very rarely is money because if you if you want to be a researcher and earn good money you should work on R&D in some fancy fancy unicorn company then maybe it's, it's possible but <laughs> definitely not in the, on in a university I'm not so sure. I'm well, not maybe, so maybe sure. uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure if you have the power over budget but if you have you can change that. Um anyway, um it's it's not always the money it, it sometimes is this you know prestige this uh let's say glory and this ego boosting things and if um regulators could tap into this by for example starting a contest for the best solution for let's say passive fire protection of uh of uh secondary steel uh elements in in, in a structure that would yield the most cost-effective yet safe uh, solution for such a protection, and then could uh, present an award for the best solution out of many. Uh, I think many people would compete for that 
just to be given this um, award for, 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 for the solution or the, to win this, this type of a contest, because that's something you can proudly present in your academic uh, CV as your own achievement and achievement of your, of your team. And I know many, many scientists who would really pursue this type of uh, awards where there, there is really not, not, not a market for, for such thing in, in, in here. In architecture, it's really common that you open a contest for the pre-design of your next uh, landmark building, right? It's, it's very common that um, the, the best projects are chosen on the basis of contests. Yet in, in fire science or in science in general, I very rarely see these, these, these types of activities, whereas they will not like take a lot of money. They will, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sounds like a very efficient way to, uh, promote certain research areas over others by the lawmakers or by the practitioners without really limiting the capability of, of, uh, of these free researchers, deep divers who wanted to, to be left alone and just research the fundamentals and maybe stumble upon something uh, really, really great. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And in, in the end, we're all human, right? So yeah. um, we can all do with, with a touch and a tap on the shoulder and, and, and a compliment. And um, I'm not a psychologist, but but there must be research uh, done that if if you compliment people, uh, probably uh, you'll get more out of them and and a better relationship than if you continuously harass them and and put <laughs> put forward negative comments. And and a lot of discussions that I see um, and w- w- with 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 regulators, there's a lot of of pain. Uh, coming from either the design industry or producing industry or even scientists and say, why haven't you introduced this and uh, and this standard or that regulation and so forth? Um, So it's always, uh, you you haven't done these nine things. Okay, you have done this one thing, but but, okay, what about the other nine things? Whereas if if you... indeed would put this this one thing that was successful and and found its 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 path that was carved uh, for for science and industry in, into regulation um, if if you cherish that and put a person or a group or an entity on on a pedestal and and celebrate this this creates this this environment of trust and collaboration positive and, environment and appreciation and positive positive vibe that I think we need uh, which I definitely think as as SFPE as, as specifically yeah. perhaps as SFPE Europe we, we could work on we, we need to come um, back to that on SFPE Europe because it would be like SFPE has already this uh, bunch of uh, fantastic awards that are given on on a person basis like for achievements of a single person and in SFPE Europe we also have uh, the Jean-Claude Smet award uh, that that's uh, been introduced uh, some years ago. Uh, but, um, for example, SFP UK chapter has, uh, the awards for the best project, for the best research item. Yep. And, and maybe, uh, things like that, uh, maybe more topical could be, be something to be introduced by the, the SFP Europe to, to promote particular areas of science, which uh, we as, uh, and now, now I'm talking we as SFP Europe, <laughs> because I'm also a proud, pa- proud part of that entity, uh, Things that we as, as the SFP, as the engineers who are doing science, we, we, we need and we appreciate the most. So yeah, this, this discussion will, 
will continue definitely in the in the in the larger group. Yeah, but but like like you said, and and there are a number of persons uh, for for those on the podcast that that uh, have listened to the SFP Europe uh, conference yeah. uh, and and the interviews we we had there. Uh, just to name again one person, Michael Schleich, he's a regulator from uh, from one of the uh, the states in in, in Germany. He's very passionate uh, about about fire safety and and wants to develop, uh, say, the future generation of, of of fire safety regulation. And it, it's people like him who are the movers and shakers that that uh, that that should represent their sector and 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 moving forward. I was very impressed with the the SFP Europe because you've also attracted Heki Vanenen, who is also responsible for the facade for 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 the facade developments, and he was also very very passionate and. Uh, he was a fantastic active listener. He really did care about what was being said. And I, I had, I've been in contact with him after the conference. And I'm, I'm really pressed because with people like that in, in the power, it's not these dirty politicians, uh, who count the money on the side, but it, it was truly someone who, who seemed to be willing to make a change and difference. And, uh, and this is the, the spirit that I would cherish the most in the lawmakers as as you started the, the podcast yeah. is the passion that uh, that makes the it, difference it, it's right? Heike, uh, definitely and i was you took the words right off my mouth so i was trying to build a case from from a country to uh, to, to to europe um yeah it's it's very fortunate that that people like uh, like Heike Vanan and are are engaged and, and and passionate and want to learn really about about the fire safety sector and how to move it forward his engagement, indeed, with with the facade, the European facade project, uh, to to come together to uh, to to bring together people and and industry uh, to 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 develop a fire safety test and classification and perhaps even certification method for facades and facade elements. Is, is fantastic. This is a hot potato, uh, not not an easy project, um, and and certainly course, you guys yeah. have have contributed a lot with, uh, with 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 your research on on facades. Again, there was a, a lot of nasty uh, incidents. Uh, Grandfell, obviously, being the the most uh, prominent uh, prominent one that that pushed this uh, this project. Um, and, unfortunately, and, not the only one. That's that's. Uh, and unfortunately, not not the uh, only one, um, and probably not the last one either. So, uh, but it, it's good that the regulators see the need for uh, for for providing this tailwind. Uh, forgive, forgive me for using this metaphor again. If the regulators provide tailwind, uh, uh, this this sort of seems like. Um, at least catalyzing, if not also initiating uh, this triangle to, to come into movement. Um, and if there is any unbalance there, uh, perhaps it can generate uh, enough momentum and, and gyroscopy for, for this triangle to to keep on uh, turning and, and produce something nice as, as a deliverable. Um, okay, let's jump a bit out of the triangle now, because there's one more thing that we need to talk. Uh, science industry legislation these all are these are the things to create uh, the the fire safe reality but for the truly good future we also need a new generation of engineers so let's spend the last uh, last minutes of the of the interview on education and uh, that's another very difficult subject because of the way how fire is being taught in different countries for example in Poland we have the, the fire safety engineering course uh, within the officer academy for, for uh, fire officers. 
So every fire officer is a fire safety engineer in Poland and there's a bunch of civilians being trained uh, along with them. Uh, me being um, a very happy uh, participant of that course. <laughs> in, in, in some countries like, for example, UK, uh, I see there's more people jumping from structural engineering into fire than from any other and they have very strong structural fire engineering. In some countries, you don't have any kind of professional educations related to fire and people are just coming from different backgrounds learning fire as as they as they work um i wonder if there is one good uh idea for educating a european let's say generation of, of fire engineers of the future what what do you think well, yeah thank you um uh, very good and good to uh, to try and 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 finish with uh, with, with the future uh, the, the next uh, the next generation yeah. Um, a, a number of things that that pop up in my mind. Just before Corona, I was invited. We are a sponsor of the IMFSE, uh, and there was this uh, mm-hmm. this sponsor event um, in, in in Lund, uh, beginning of, of of last year. I was invited also to speak. And uh, again, if if you are confronted uh, literally with 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 the young generation, so much uh, full of energy and and the variety of topics that they are interested in, I had. The idea, well, the future is bright. We we have good students from all over the world, uh, from Australia, mm-hmm. the US, and and less developed countries and and regions of the world as well. So um, th- th- this this looks fantastic. But it's not a given, so uh, we we need to work on uh, continuously being attractive for for the for this generation to 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 come and generations to come. And I think we we have all the right uh, the, the right elements. Uh, it, it's um, science from from every perspective, uh, mathematical, uh, numerical, uh, testing, um, empirical, yeah. uh, empirical, uh, everything. So we, we we have everything. And and, and still, if if you ask uh, the what the, well, the, the anecdote there, if you ask people to explain candle fires, uh, it's not so straightforward. So. If if that simple uh, analogy, um, again the anecdote here. I started civil engineering because when I did the the intro week in in Delft University, I visited a lot of of, of faculties. But then when when I came to to civil engineering, there was this professor in soil mechanics, and and he had uh, a bit of a sack in in, in his hand uh, with with a tube coming out of it, and and he said, "Well, guys, if you can explain this," and then he. He squeezed the, the the sack, and then you saw the water level in the tube. You saw falling down rather than rising. He said, "If you can understand what happened here, then probably you can earn big bucks in uh, in the future." And that, that blew me away. And then later on, you learn that this was about packed sand. Uh, that that if you squeeze in it, you you open uh, the sand, uh, and then the water can can penetrate in between. Um, but but for for me it was like magic and there were a lot of people say I want to learn about this so uh, we we have to bring these rather simple uh, things to 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 students in the future and that that's the bridge to another element that I think is is necessary we, we should not only focus on on the academics um, because there's there's a lot to teach uh, because the actual fire safety I think is is generated by by people who um, who install the, the sprinkler bulbs and the uh, install the the fire stopping uh, machete uh, and and put on the the anti-machine coating or or fix the ventilator in in the ceiling or uh, wire up the, the the fire alarm panel. 
it's those people also that need to be thought uh, about this and and they also learn on the job in, in the majority of cases so uh, the whole um, ladder, if you like, from from people who make their hands dirty and 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 stand with uh, personal protection equipment and 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 a lousy environment in, in on a job site to uh, to finish the work up to the academia. Uh, we we need to educate. So that that there's um, a topic that I would like to address as well. So it's it's not only the uh, the, the the masters and, and PhD students that we need to uh, that we need to be prudent uh, for and 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 provide them a good career path. It, it's also a little bit more to the practical side that we need to educate people. What do you think about the dialogue between, let's say, the uh, passive uh, fire, which uh, which we are, the designers, the uh, let's say, developers of, of, of protection systems and the active fire people, which would be the firefighters. And do, do you see any way to improve the dialogue between between us we, on an European level? Yeah, we, we, we have to. And um, I I think there's there's also a dialogue there to start. Um, I'm, I'm not stated that the, actually uh, the dialogues exist already, but I, I do yeah. think that we need to, uh, to strengthen that a bit because in essence, if, if you have... Big shopping malls, um, high-rise buildings, uh, complex underground uh, facilities. Uh, in the end, the rescue workers and, and the fire brigades, they, they will go in uh, to, to try and put out the remainder of the fire um, or, or search and rescue and so forth. And, and they have to be uh, shown and, and uh, they have to be assisted by, by by tools and and methods to 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 observe what what is happening, but also safeguarded by by a structure or or other safety measures that do what they are supposed to do. Not not because they they had a certificate, but that they really do the job. And that that is something where uh, where we need input from from the, their eyes. They're they're observing. Uh, they're marveling at at a certain uh, situation. And I think that dialogue, that the feedback loop of what, especially firefighters come across um, when when they try and fight a fire, to feedback uh, that into the system of, of product and system development, whether it's a sprinkler or a passive system or smoke extraction system or alarm system, it, it doesn't matter too much. But what they observe to, to really feed that back into the, 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 the development and science loop is I think a bit underappreciated, and uh, well, it, 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 their job is different. Eh? So I, I had discussions in the past before uh, when we tried to develop a, a project to say, okay, wh what can we learn from from real fires and incidents? And then people in the fire brigade told me, well, case okay, it's all fine and good, but when we are really at your doorstep and when your house is on fire, uh, we don't have any time to fill out an evaluation form, uh, what we see uh, and, and what, what we measure. So, okay, if, if, if it's time and if it's the, the ease of, of transforming what you observe back to us, it, it's maybe just uh, uh, a helmet camera or, or some other measuring uh, device um, uh, but but we have it doesn't need necessarily to be real time eh, what we can see or what 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 you hear but it can also be post incident 
but then with your eyes and expertise together with what what we see so if if you observe literally from two different perspectives a scientist and a fire uh, firefighter you look at the same image and footage and what is it that you see coming back to what guillermo said it is so enriching if you put those people in the same room and say, guys, tell me what you, what you see. What is it that you observe? And the fire brigade will say, oh, I see flames or I see smoke or I see whatever. I see a flashover uh, uh, situation uh, which is uh, occurring uh, f- very quickly. And the scientist might say, oh, I, 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 I see uh, or I don't see any, any object anymore. So the visibility, I, I see suit, I see... Uh, I don't want the smoke moving in one direction. And, and when you bring those two elements together, that, there's, I think, a wealth of knowledge that, that we still haven't connected. Um, so connecting those dots um, and, and, and your uh, terminology, bringing those people uh, together, a scientist and, and, and a firefighter, is, uh, again, building a bridge that, 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 that we need some people to, to just take the initiative and... and make it happen it is really important to to build these connections with the firefighters uh, as well in mind i mean if i design the, the most the world's best smoke control system and a fire commander takes a decision to turn it off because they don't like it it was not such a good system after all right so uh it it need, there needs to be a bridge between the science industry and and the firefighters, the men on the on the ground as well, and uh, yeah, I, I think uh, here again the passion is something that can actually unite us with the firefighters because we're pretty much uh, passionate about the same thing, just different aspects of it. Maybe not even different. Yeah, aspects. maybe we're actually passionate about the exact same thing. Coming back to uh, to where we started off, I think in the beginning, um, the reason why I chose uh, fire safety. Um, because the, the the Golden Gate Bridge was was not to be rebuilt in in the southwest of the Netherlands, but it was supposed to be a tunnel. Later <laughs> on, I did a lot of work also on on the fire safety of of the tunnel, the Westerschelde tunnel, um, and uh, <laughs> the, 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 there was quite some debate about uh, who should be in control of the fire safety um, uh, measurements and and design. Should that be the tunnel operator? who was trained on the job uh, to push the buttons, or should it be the fire brigade officer who really understands uh, how fires could uh, could develop? Or should it be both? Or should it be neither? And should it just mm-hmm. be the system that automatically kicks in uh, the ventilators or or the sprinkler system or, or the the barriers and, and, and the traffic lights uh, and so forth, or open up or close the, the escape doors uh, f- from the connecting tunnels? And, and those are our discussions that we are still having. Um, and and who's who should be in control? And it's it's sometimes it's just a matter of bringing the people together and say, okay, guys, together we will have a protocol. And maybe in, in every tunnel, uh, it potentially could be different because it just depends on on where, for example, the the, the fire brigade is stationed. Are they close by or are they far off? Um, does traffic control uh, actually sit uh, literally physically on top of the tunnel 
or is it somewhere in, in a center uh, remote from uh, from this tunnel? Then you, you could argue uh, who has the best papers to, to go into the tunnel and actually see, observe and marvel what, what's going on, appreciating that the tunnel was designed to cope with some scenario or other, but the situation at hand is, is slightly different, so you have to tweak what is happening. You, you can't rely on a fully automated automated system. Those are discussions where if, if you put people in the room who are... Uh, inclined to listen to each other, uh, listen to the arguments uh, rather than hide behind a certificate or a protocol or this is how we've always done it in the past or this is what worked in this situation, but are open to listen to uh, to others. Th- th- that's where, where the gold can be found if, if, you, if you have eyes and ears pre- predominantly opened towards the other uh, rather than ventilate your own opinion. Then that's uh, th- that's the the recipe for gold. Um, that that's uh, I think that's a good a good point to close the the discussion on. However, um, uh, we will continue this talk in in the SFP Europe group for sure because um, so many sub so so many ideas spark to the heads and I I, I think together uh, as, as the SFP Europe we're on a good route to to. Uh, truly um, be one of the fundamentals of of the future fire safe europe and uh, yeah that's that's a great thing and thank you for for leading this uh, during your time of being a president and now supporting uh, us a lot as well um so kiss uh, thanks a lot for taking the invite to the podcast it was uh, it was a pleasure to have you here. It was pleasure was all mine, and uh, looking forward to to <laughs> see uh, see you in person in the not too far future and and have this beer again together. Yes, uh, I, I I I share your view on the importance of pubs in in the in building the progress of fire fire science, and I think from these positions we are safe to invite all the listeners to Copenhagen next year for the. SFP performance-based uh, conference, right? Absolutely, thank you. Yes, Ho- hopefully it will happen in person. I think we're on a we're on a good track. So, well, once again, thank you very much, and uh, see you around. Okay, thank you, Wojcik, and thanks for the listeners. Yep. And that's it for the interview with Keys. Uh, Keys is an amazing guy, and uh, I truly love speaking to him. I I wonder what the suspension bridge industry would be today if he has chosen that career path instead of going into the fire. We can only wonder. Um, Keys had some really great insight and listening to him, you, you hear someone who truly has an experience in merging the worlds of science, industry and legislation. Someone who was fueling the education and progress in our discipline. So it's it's not a hypothetical consideration. It's it was his practical knowledge and experience in in dealing with these aspects of, of fire safety, and the idea of attracting legislators to give us some tailwind to develop research ideas, the um, ideas to bring industry and science together in the same room to just talk and uh, figure out what are the needs of the other party, figure out if we share the same ideas, the same goals, the same passion. And uh, I hope you noticed the word passion was was the key word of today's episode. Uh, I truly think that from passion comes the best things in, in our industry, the best solutions, the best ideas. And that passion is truly necessary for um, creating a, a fire safe future. So yeah, I hope you're full of passion for fire. 
and full of passion for fire protection engineering. And I hope you enjoy listening to this podcast and feel your passion with uh, the thoughts being shared in here. And if you do, then, well, see you next Wednesday on, on the next episode. Thank you for listening. See you around. This was the Fire Science Show. Thank you for listening and see you soon.